that is my favorite, favorite, favorite sound ever. It just puts me in the mood every time. Hello, everybody. Here we are somewhere in the mid-20s. The Hemphletic Podcast is back. Brian Lane looking out into a wonderful, glorious Bluebird Day. It is a Saturday today for this taping, so I am definitely not where I should be. It should be in a mountain on a Bluebird Day with some good soft snow, but that'll come soon enough. Today is a work day, and today is a day for me to introduce one of the people, one of the people that uh, I have a very large network in Rochester. I've told this people this story many, many times. Uh, and this is the person I would say could be one of the most interesting men I have ever met in Rochester. Tail end of my postal career, I was doing sales, as most of you who have been listening know. I went into over 300 businesses. One of the businesses I went into was Alchemy Hair Supply. Uh, the owner uh, reached out. I believe he reached out to our local post office. I don't quite remember that piece of it. Uh, but uh, he was in a warehouse where there was also another business that I had helped. So I, I knew kind of where the warehouse was. And a gentleman has a very awesome line of hair products. Uh, saw what he was doing. Had to talk about weights and measures. Unfortunately, I had to tell him the post office isn't the best help for him, unfortunately. Definitely FedEx and UPS are better. Um, for most of his weights of his products because he does heavy weighted products because that's the way the, the hair industry is. But it didn't dissuade us from becoming fast friends. Uh, me realizing how interesting he was and how I had to keep him in my life because uh, I think if the, this man and I went out 50 times, I still wouldn't get all the stories out of this man that he could tell me that I would enjoy. So so I met I met Frank Lapani, uh, owner of Alchemy Hair. I met him through the post office, and here we are now post-post office days, and I'm still friends with him and, and consider him a, a business associate uh, and a good man. So so here we are. I welcome everybody to Frank Lapani. Hi, Brian. <laughs> So good to be here with you today. And I also have to say, I consider you uh, a great friend, uh, somebody that, you know, came into my life through a, a, a reach out to the U.S. Post Office. Uh, I need some help with the shipping program. You came in and you just uh, took control, took over and um, gave me a system that um, has been very, very much uh, a help to my business so i thank you for that and uh i'm actually like, glad to hear that because you and i really haven't touched base to see if you were happy i hadn't done that follow-up with you of, are you happy the system is it working for you so basically what we did was gave an integrated uh, system that kind of ties in uh, uh you can do anything from inventory and shipping use all three different carriers kind of a one-stop shop for small businesses to make exactly. it easy right is it convenient you know yeah, you pay a little per month extremely convenient and it also has actually saved not only myself but my customers uh shipping costs because your weight so so let's talk about alchemy hair first because uh, now this man has many stories folks we're going to go on a lot of tangents but the first thing <laughs> what i want to talk about is, is really the most impressive line of products that this man the came up with recipes out of his head so, so let, please tell tell the folks about alchemy hair um uh, about all the positives of that company and, and kind of uh, why how it came about well as you know brian i was a hairstylist for many many years and you know, used many different brands of products. And uh, at the time, I started to realize that a lot of hair products out there were based on hype, okay? Glitz, hype, 
go to trade shows, you know, girls dancing all over and, 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 and hairstylist, um, you know, throwing hair up in the, in the air and people just being wowed, almost like as if you're going to a concert or a play. And, um, it was a substance, you know, and I was kind of a wannabe chemist at the time. And, uh, although I never went to school for it, um, I started to study, you know, and, uh, so I just started thinking like all of these brands were, had to start one day, you know, by somebody. And I thought if I could only start a, a, a product line myself, uh, what would I do and what would be different about it? And the only word that came to my mind was honesty, honesty and re and real ingredients, you know, um, separating marketing from reality. And that's what inspired me. And at the time, um, I actually met a chemist who uh, became also a friend of mine. And uh, he was in Buffalo, New York. And we met. And uh, we started talking about creating a product. So first product I ever created uh, with him, along with him, uh, for Alchemy was a 100% pure vanilla shampoo. Um, we actually used real vanilla and at the time that just was unheard of. And, um, and then believe it or not, to this day, people are asking me if I would ever come back with that. And I'm actually working on something right now. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah. And I'm actually using real Madagascar vanilla beans and we're distilling it with a, uh, a high proof bourbon. So it'll actually be like a bourbon vanilla. I'm pretty excited about that. So, uh, but Getting back to the beginning of Alchemy, I was very, very much, um, uh, like I said, an open book to anything. And thank God at the time I had a, uh, a very open-minded chemist. Um, some of them I learned along the way are not so much like that. And it was kind of fun because um, he and I, uh, I would take him out in left field uh, because actually from lack of technical knowledge, you know, I would take him way out there and he'd say, well, I'm not sure if that's possible, but we can explore it. So that's how things started. And uh, I'll never forget when we made our first batch of shampoo, which was very small. It was in a 200. What year was this? Um, let's see. That was 1981. Yes, nineteen eighty one. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And we and we it was funny because we bought the cheapest bottles that were possible at the time. Uh we made a very small batch. I think it was maybe fifty gallons, if I remember right. We filled the bottles and we we made labels and the way we put our labels on back then was just to roll them on a table, you know. And uh, what started happening is people really responded to that very quickly. So shortly after, we actually created a matching conditioner. And that was the beginning of Alchemy. And uh, the, the, the How many recipes then? How many recipes originally? Two. 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 It was all we had. A and conditioner then, and a shampoo? A conditioner shampoo. What was and the original? What were the original product names? It was. It was. Um, and and see, you still have that line. Uh, the 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 vanilla was a uh, moisturizing, volumizing shampoo, which you know was kind of unique for the time. Uh, th those two words being put together don't they don't normally go together. But we had uh, 
We had liposomes in there, which at the time were like seriously cutting edge. Huh. And um, so uh, it worked very well. And uh, from there, um, it kind of stayed like that for a couple of years. You know, we, we were selling other brands, but uh, a lot of, uh, we noticed a lot of clients were getting loyal to the, the, just those two products. And uh, so that's when. Uh, now, are you inspired. talking locally or, or Just locally, yes. Mm-hmm. This was actually only out of one uh, very, very, very busy salon uh, at the time uh, that I was uh, involved with as an owner. So um, those two products. Did you make a profit? Did it help you start? To, like, like where they go? Where'd you go with those two? Yes, we did. We uh, actually made uh, a decent profit on it, but we, you know, we didn't market it at a crazy price or anything like that. But we made a profit, and uh, um, what happened is I had a few clients at the time who were actually very interested and uh, offered investment uh, money to expand the line, and that's actually how I got started expanding the line and came out with a, uh, again, basic packaging. Um, and my inspiration in the, for the collections. And, and as you know, Brian, there's, um, a few collections. Well, back then there weren't as many, but the idea was to, um, separate the collection. So not only make it easier for clients to purchase, so they know what they were getting, you know, whether you're you need volumizing or you need moisturizing, you need thickening or, um, um, you know, r- restoration. Uh, so I, I was also culturally inspired. I was inspired by different countries, cultures, and the ingredients that were indigenous in, you know, in those countries and cultures. And I wanted to use them in my products. So that's when I set up different collections and those collections were inspired. Now what year is this now? I like to give the progression. Now we're going probably to, let's see, my... And when my son was born, it was probably about 1982 or three. Oh, so pretty quick after the two products. Yes. You were yeah, right didn't, away, it people didn't take very long at all. Uh, oh, uh, that's that's the line that I was um, uh, a part owner in. Um, it was an extremely, uh, f- extremely busy salon. And um, it was kind of cutting edge for the time, you know. What was the name of it? It was called uh, Sherazer. What was the location for, because I have a lot of Rochester Directly listeners. across from Paychex on Panorama Trail. Okay. In fact, that's how I um, I did started doing Tom Galasano's hair for a number of years and still do his uh, ex-wife Diane's hair. Um, uh, although I'm not only working behind the chair, as you know, two days a week and the rest of my time is spent with Alchemy and other projects that uh, uh, I've done and that we have worked on together. Mm-hmm. That's so, right. Exciting stuff. We'll get to that. Trust me. We're going to get to all that. <laughs> so, so I, I like to I like to tell people the foundation of things because Alchemy is very impressive, and I want to get go into the talk, let's talk about more about the product line. Yeah. So how you developed here in the '80s to where you are now. So, so let's go through the positive aspects of developing the products <laughs> and what what your goals are here with Alchemy coming forward. What you'd like to do? Well, um, shortly after um, I through my, the chemist at that time, um, I met a manufacturer in New Jersey who not only became my exclusive manufacturer, but also a great friend. Unfortunately, I lost him last year. And, um, you know, and what was his name for people who might be in the uh, industry who knew Doug who knew? Siegel. Mm-hmm. Sorry and, uh, yeah, we, we lost him last year and uh, unfortunately took his own life. And, uh, you know, that's, it, it really is an issue with me and uh, I very much support 
um, the organizations that. I'm glad you say that. That's something we should always, we always need to talk about the things that, that mean a lot to us. We don't always know what our friends have inside their soul that we maybe don't know about. And I think that, uh, you know, sometimes if, if somebody's reaching out to you, um, and uh, you have to sometimes look between the lines and, and see the subtleties and the nuances that um, may indicate that they may have an issue like that. So look for the signs. Look for the signs, yes. And uh, and obviously you didn't live close to him. You didn't have a close personal relationship with him. So it wasn't like something. Oh, I had could... a very, very close relationship to him, but more so, um, um, obviously he was in New Jersey. I was here, but we did a lot of trade shows together. We traveled together. I'd go visit him and, and vice versa. You know, he, he became like part of our family here in Rochester too. And the girls I work with just absolutely loved him. You know, he was a dear friend and, uh, you know, he was, uh, married with a child and, uh, uh, it, it was a tremendous loss for me, you know, um, losing my good friend and, like I said, he made every product just about that that you see. And you worked together for a long time, right? Like we're talking, you oh. know, two decades almost. Oh yeah, right? yeah, more than two decades. Yeah. And how many and, how and many products did like you create almost together? Every day. I was gonna say, how many products did you create together? Because I know how many are in your warehouse. I've I've been in your warehouse. So well, as far as actual products, I think we're up to, if I'm not mistaken, we're either twenty nine or thirty, and I'd have to double check on that. Um, but. Uh, I've developed along with another chemist, which is another story, um, a total of 53 formulas that I do own and that are in my formula book, my master formula book. 53? 53 formulas, yeah. Yeah, so there's some little um, treasures within that book that I would love to come out with in the future. And, uh, you know, but uh, it is costly to, for every formula to come out with, it's uh, quite expensive, you know. All right, so you have, what is it, define that a little bit for people so they know, like, in this industry, how much it really costs to, like, put something like this together? Well, um, bare minimum uh, with a friendly manufacturer, meaning somebody that would work with you, um, and, and maybe instead of doing... 20,000 pieces per product per size, which happens quite frequently, to find uh, a manufacturer um, that is friendly to smaller companies and where they might do, let's say, 5,000 or even someone will even go down and do half batches and and maybe 2,500 bottles. Um, So that's pretty much average. Um, And the cost to do, let's say, a 5,000 bottle run after your packaging and everything is about approximately about $15,000 for each product, each size. If you were doing multiple sizes. Wow. Um, so an investment. Well, it is, but, um, you know, if you do one at a time, it's not bad because, uh, as you know, we have, um, our regular retail size and we have our leaders. So what they do for me is they'll make a batch and, um, and then when I get the product, um, this the retail sizes are already filled on the filling line, and then the um, uh, I fill my own large sizes. So they'll send fifty five gallon drums, and then I just fill the thirty two ounces, which is really easy. So I cut my costs down there quite a bit. So, Excellent. so more about the product lines, okay? Please, so, the, like uh, so people, you got you have it's really inspirational. I mean. How did you think, please tell people, because they'll they'll understand. Well, the collections came again, like I said, from, you know, being inspired by different countries, different cultures. Um, 
some of the, the, the indigenous ingredients or ingredients that have been used for sometimes thousands of years in, in multiple recipes uh, for health benefits, not only for the hair, but for the skin and, 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 and internally, you know. So um, that's how I came up with the idea of collections because I couldn't figure out <clears throat> how to separate uh, without doing that. Um, a lot of product lines are, are separated by just the function alone. So if it's a volume, you know, volume shampoo or volumizing products, it's just, you know, that's called volume. Uh, if it's uh, moisturizing, it's called moisture. So I want to have a little bit more fun with it and really connect with people on the fact that, you know, we're using ingredients that are, you know, not only globally uh, resourced, but also um, that are thoughtfully, you know, put together uh, with, a, with a reason and purpose, you know, and not just thrown in for the sake of, you know, what we call blessing the batch. Which, so, so did you kind of find that certain uh, of your collections, uh, you found certain ingredients really would do positive things for people's hair? Oh, absolutely. And so what you are know, some that, examples? That, that journey continues um, every day of my life. And as you know, I'm, I've been working on other projects, which... Okay, so hold on. We got to put context for people. So, so far... So, um, when did you start in the hair industry? Because I want to give people context of, of how... I long. graduated from beauty school. Um, seems like a long, long time ago. Um, in... August of 1969. So this coming year, this August, um, it was actually on the 29th. Um, I'll be actually doing hair for 50 years, which sometimes I find it almost hard to believe, you know. And you're still on the chair two days a week. I still do because uh, for a long time, um, it worked so well for me in the sense that when I was developing products, you you actually need... Um, you need heads of hair to experiment with, you know, to do your research uh, on is uh, if you're developing a product, mm -hmm. um, if you're developing a product, you, you ha sometimes go through three or four or even more um, variations of that product until you, you get it just where you want it. And that's a, a back and forth thing with a chemist, you know? So, we're constantly experimenting. And if I had to hire people to test products on, it would have cost a small fortune. So I had a natural source, a resource, I should say, to, to test our products on. That was all the customers. And of course, they loved being a part of that. Absolutely loved it. Mm -hmm. And so when we came out with the products, not only did they love it, but salons that were carrying our brand their customers enjoyed it as well as the hairstylist when I'd say, you know, I'm working on a new product. Would you be interested in testing the product for me and giving me feedback, you know, honest feedback? Because, of course, the girls that I work with were always a little bit biased and uh, I really wanted a neutral opinion. So, yeah, so you um, add it and to see if the opinions from from your friends also see if it matched. Yeah, right? yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, going back a little bit further to, to what I was just saying about uh, graduating in, in August of 69. Um, from what? From what school? It's an extinct school now. Um, and, and kind of a little bit of uh, interesting uh, Rochester history here. Um, 
I don't know if you know it or not, but uh, like my product line, I think, is the first nationally um, sold hair product line since, oh God, what is it, 18... Can't remember when the company was began, but uh, a, a famous Rochesterian. Her name was Martha Matilda Harper. Um, actually, she's buried at the Mount Hope Cemetery and was uh, friends with uh, some of the founding Rochester women who had a very big impact on Rochester, like Margaret Woodbury Strong and some of the others. Um, she did their hair basically, and. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but sh what she created in Rochester was the the word franchise. The world's first franchise came from Rochester, New York. So she and a woman. Yes. And what year is this? Oh, we're talking early 1900s. I know. It's amazing. She was an amazing woman. Make sure you Google everybody. This is legit. Martha Matilda Harper, yes, yes. She's, she's a, 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 for me, she was an inspiration for my product line. Um, and I also went to the, which is kind of um, a little bit weird, but I was in the last graduating class of the last Harper Method Academy in the world. So it closed after I graduated. Um, at one point, the franchise had over 3,000 salons and academies worldwide. So it had grown, and like I said, the word franchise um, was born out of Rochester, and the world's first franchise was born out of Rochester, New York. And I was- And for hair, like hair. And you know what was funny, Brian, is that she, uh, um, she was so far ahead of her time, she was all about all natural. You know, everybody's into all natural now or organic, you know, holistic products. That's what her product was all about. And unfortunately, what killed her, her products, were the the, the 60s and uh, um, where everybody, like, didn't care about all that. You know, they, they were all about, about that's when I, I guess the hype began and um, some modern products started coming out that actually many of them had very, very bad ingredients in them that were really bad for people and they don't even know it. Of course, now we know. Um, but um, what, what are those, some, some, some of those things that went into products and now that are out? Like give it a couple of examples. Well, like for example, um, uh, for fixatives. All right. Um, some of the hairsprays that came out in the 60s. I mean, you might as well have put in cement on your hair or glue, you know, um, lacquer. Lacquer was huge because hair got huge. <laughs> I mean, in, in the 60s. I can't even imagine lacquer. Oh, it was I mean, crazy. I mean, people would, you have to stand, people would come in and get their hair done and then go one full week, sometimes even two weeks, where they wouldn't touch it. You know, the hairdresser would spray the hair and then they would go home and like, you wouldn't oh. see them back until the following week. And then that hairdresser would have to try to get that rat's nest out of there and, and then like, rewash it and restyle it and then do it all over again week after week. And all that changed because of one person. And I don't mean to jump forward, but it's kind of an important thing uh, for a lot of people to, to know that um, uh, a man who, who also inspired me greatly, Vidal Sassoon, a lot of people have heard of Vidal Sassoon or Sassoon products. Um, he invented the way that 
most hairdressers today cut hair. He was the inspiration. He changed hair forever. Um, when he cut Mary Quant's hair, who was a, a model in London at the time, and actually did a blow dry. Like cutting the hair and blow drying was just unheard of prior to that. Everybody like had their hair set, teased. Uh, it was cut, just you pick, people picked up hair and just cut pieces. There was no precise method or technique. And Vidal invented that. I happened to be extremely lucky because um, a big company at the time, uh, Glenby Corporation, um, they had, again, I think they had like over 3,000 salons worldwide. And they were mostly found in in department stores, uh, mostly upscale, but you know, even good department stores. Like in today's world, it would have been something like Macy's or uh, Lord and Taylor or something like that. Okay. And um, so we had a, a, a wonderful, wonderful department store in Rochester at one time, which sadly ended up disappearing. And that was Sibley's for all those that remember it, probably the best department store that was ever in existence, at <laughs> least in this particular city. It was a, an amazing melange of so many wonderful departments and areas that, that you just don't see anymore in a department store. But um, <laughs> at the time, there was a, a great salon in there and some of the top hairstylists in the city for doing traditional, what was, like I just said, you know, week to week customers and spraying and teasing and all that nasty stuff that was done back then. Um, yeah, they, uh, they would come in uh, weekly. And uh, so what happened is I was in beauty school at the time and I was about halfway through and um, one of my teachers had to go to a wedding and she asked me if I would do her hair uh, because um, I won a few contests, styling contests in school, uh, which, you know, looking back, it was wasn't that big of a deal, but at the time it was when you're in that environment. You of know? course, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a marker, right? It's for who might be someone to look at later in life or something. Yeah, because, right? you know, to be honest with you, I never, ever dreamt that I would ever become a hairdresser. I was actually into construction, and a friend of mine came back home uh, from the Navy. He had just got on the Navy, and myself and my um, girlfriend at the time, actually a fiancé at the time, um, we were sitting around the table having coffee. Of course, you know, I just come home, a good friend, and we're just talking. I said, so what are you going to be, you know, what are you doing, Alan? What are you going to do with your life now? And he says, I'm going to go to hairdressing school. And I said, hairdressing school? Like, really? And then my ex-girlfriend looked at me, or my ex-fiance, I should say, and she says, why don't you go? You know, what are you going to do? I could be a construction worker the rest of your life? And, then, you know, at the time I was like kind of taken back by that, but... You know, it's funny. I said, well, I'll go look at it, look at it. You know, I'll take a look at the whole thing. And um, we went uh, to, to school. We went to the beauty school uh, together, myself and my friend, Alan. And um, I went there on a Wednesday, signed up on a Friday and started on Monday before I even knew it. I was doing it. Right away. You just knew. I, I just knew. And, wow, and that's two weeks cool. after entering the school, being a freshman, you know, um, this uh, famous hairstylist from England came to, and he created a contest. And um, I, of course, wasn't going to be in that contest because I was just a, a newbie, you know. Yeah, and you're a uh, construction guy. Uh, uh, yeah, I was a newbie. I just started school, was a construction guy. <laughs> and um, 
I happened to be in the school and everybody was upstairs uh, for this contest and I just had gotten there just a few minutes late. What else is new, right? I'm always late. Uh-huh. And um, Yeah, we didn't even touch that. Luckily, to, he added that. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, he happened to see me and he says, so what are you doing down here? And I said, well, I just got here. I'm a little bit late. He said, where's your model? I said, I'm not in the contest. I said, I, I, I'm just a beginner. So there was a girl that kind of got in late too. He said, what are you doing to her? And she said, um, I'm going to go upstairs and, and watch. He said, no. He said, he's going to do your hair. I said, but I'm a beginner. He says, never too late to get your feet wet, you know? I love and, it. And you know what happened, Brian? Oh, look, this is great. I actually won the contest. Come on. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I had so much hate on me by the by the seniors in the in the school. It was like, you know... What, I mean, really so what was it? It was just came natural to you. I mean, I think that's what happened. Yeah, it really did. It was. I found it to be very easy, and um, so moving forward a little bit. So now I'm at the. So do you think point. other people over uh, analyzed it, or, or I mean, what set you? No, what set I think you apart, that some people think? just. It's like anything, you know. You just you either have it and feel it, um, or you don't. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I think it's it's like um, I know I did music for a number of years, and you know I uh, mostly singing. But um, you either have it or you don't. You know, I mean, yes, you can teach yourself, you can train yourself to do things. And I had I had people that I trained later in in my career, well, let's say, that were technically good because I trained them to be technically good. Artistically, they had to be inspired by other people. So now and then you'd find that one person who not only had the artistic skills, but the technical skills. And that usually made for the better, let's say, hairstylist, you know, um, because they 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 didn't need to um, have an inspiration from somebody else to be creative, you know. So Mm -hmm. it makes sense. But but it was kind of fun because um, just going back to that time period, because halfway through school, um, I did my teacher's hair like i said for the wedding she went to the wedding and it just so happened that the rochester's top hairdresser was there and they were good friends and uh he said to her he goes i love your hair who did it she was one of my students and he said no student did that no student did that she goes i swear you know it was a student he said have that student come over and see me tomorrow afternoon and that's what kind of gave me the beginning of my career real career because I became his assistant part-time when I wasn't in school. And one day he came to me and told me, he goes, there's been a new invention, a new thing that's starting in England, was invented by this man called Vidal Sassoon. It's a technique. And he says, unlike anything else, and we're gonna be putting up a special section of this salon, which was huge, by the way, um, and we're gonna call it the Four Seasons Room. It's not gonna look like a hairstyling um, salon. It's gonna look, you know, real, artistically decorated, you know, uh, we're not doing any setting or teasing. It's just going to be cutting and blow drying. I'm like, what? He goes, well, you're going to be trained how to do this type of hairdressing or this type of haircutting. And so I actually was, Brian, I was one of the first 25 people taught in the United States how to do, you know, the Vidal Sassoon technique and uh, where we just cut and blow dry hair. And um, it was literally a revolution in hair. And I feel very, very honored that I was a part of that very beginning where, um, you know, and then shortly after um, being in the, um, into it uh, with 
Glumby Salon. Um, the, that same man who was really a big inspiration to me uh, told me one day, um, I think you should leave and open your own independently owned cut and blow dry salon. And I couldn't figure out why he said that to me, you know, and, and the main reason he said is, he says at the time, and I, I, I have, believe me, I am, I'm nothing against gay people whatsoever. I have a lot of friends, but he said, um, you're not gay and, um, you'll no, you'll not go anywhere in this company, uh, at a higher level. It's just the way it is right now. You know, he was, he was gay and so was the manager. And, wow. He just, he just realized the culture and said, Hey, you know, yeah. you have a talent go. Yeah. They had, there was other people that were part of our group of, of seven that learned the technique that were, and they were marketing them more than myself. You know, they also would change your name. You couldn't go by your own name. So <laughs> now, now what year is this? This 70s was 1970. Early 1970, yeah, 70, 70, like the year I was only working there for a year after, you know, the whole thing. And that's when school, that place for a year and then bam. Yeah. And that was it. And then uh, uh, when he told me that I was kind of a little bit, you know, disenchanted because I really wanted to, um, to, to grow. And I, and I loved working there and I, the people I work with were great, you know, be they, uh, there was one woman and then um, three gay men and myself and, and, and another man um, who actually were that were that first group, you know? And um, so I left, I left. And uh, the summer uh, that year, uh, I met a buddy of mine uh, who had gone to hairdressing school before me, but he was working in one of those traditional salons. And he said to me, he goes, you want to open up a salon? And I said, well, if I open a salon, it's certainly not going to be the type of salon that you're working in. It has to be something unique. And I, I remembered Terry's words of saying, open up the first independently owned cut and blow dry shop. And that's what we did. We were inspired by Vidal Sassoon. I taught him how to do, you know, the technique. And um, I was inspired by a book that Vidal Sassoon had written called The Crimpers. So we named the salon The Crimper. And um, I remember that. Where, where, where was it? It was a tiny little salon. Yeah, where tiny. was it? Yeah, you it was, did, it was what, actually was on Chilai Avenue. I mean, literally within six months after opening it, um, I could honestly say I was six to eight weeks booked solid every day. And back then, I would work from eight o'clock in the morning, sometimes to 10 o'clock at night, Monday through Friday, and then Saturday till five or six. I had a waiting list of like over 200 people at the time because there was literally no place you could get a cut and blow dry. So we had people come from Buffalo, Syracuse. It was, it was insane, but it was a fun time. And I honestly don't know how I did it. I don't know how I did that many people in one day. I, I could never, ever do that many How many people. chairs did you have? We had two chairs, that's it. <laughs> Two. Oh, oh, oh. This was as small as this room that we're in right now. That's how small the salon was, but it was really cool, you know. Twelve by twelve, maybe fourteen by fourteen. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I think it was more like maybe fourteen by eighteen, mm -hmm. but that's it. But, but it was really cool inside, like I said, and and it kind of built up like a cult following. I mean, people would just, you know. I gotta imagine the stories and everything that you guys. I mean, oh I mean, just God. like yeah. it was like the old yeah. barbershop yeah. mentality, right? Yeah. When you just had people flowing in like that, yep. right? Like, and then you know, it was funny because I um. I uh, I was getting in my head that I wanted to move to California. So the short story is I, um, my partner bought me out. 
Um, and I, I moved out to California. And of course, that's in the, like I said, uh, this is what, late 60s, early 70s, when, when I actually moved out there. I'm trying to think what year it was actually. I think it was, might have been, I think it was 70. I didn't last very long. And um, unfortunately, I got poisoned out there um, with, you know, experimenting with some, uh, some <laughs> hallucinogenics back then. <laughs> like, you know, my hair was halfway down my back. And so are you saying you might've been a little bit of a hippie? I was absolutely happy. Yes. Yeah. That's what, yeah. that's what I wanted to get out of you. So, so yeah. we waited a long time for this question. I usually ask it much, much. Mm-hmm. So have, what is your a relationship with a cannabis plant? And I know now it's probably less than it used to be, but in your life, what's it been? Okay. Um, my, my, my beginnings in, with cannabis are kind of fun because um, prior to the whole hippie thing, prior to the whole beetle thing, okay, um, in 1963, um, I was, I could say quite the pool player, but I was more of a bar pool type guy. You know, I play bar pool. How old are you, by the way? Or, or what, I'm, wait, s- what? I'm 72 years old. Oh, you hear that, folks? Like, Okay, go ahead. Yeah. And um, I don't feel it. But. He doesn't feel it or look it. He has the energy of a freaking 50-year-old. But this man <laughs> rolls. This this oh, man, thank yes. Thank you. Thank yes, you, Brian. Thank you. But, um, yeah, so um, I used to play bar pool. So people would come in, you know, and challenge, you know, from other bars. And we'd challenge each other to see who could win, you know. And I knew my table well, you know, because back then bar table, bar bar. Bar pool tables had their own character because they weren't straight like you know like some of the tables that you can you know play on in the, in somebody's pool halls you know mm-hmm. so you had to know your table so um you know uh, some um, uh, guys would come in that were of you know African American descent and um, I became you know good friends with them you know we'd play and see who could beat each other and all that sort of stuff like that well. Um, a couple of more jazz musicians and see jazz musicians were really probably the only people that were smoking, um, you know, uh, weed, um, uh, pot, uh, you know, that was referred to, uh, um, as reefers, uh, back then, you know? And, um, so it was funny because, uh, one night they asked me if I would like to indulge, you know? And so we went outside and that was my first joint. Uh, that I ever smoked, and um, of course, the next thing I did was say, you know, I want to, I want to get a, a a nickel bag. I remember that was a nickel bag, and then there was the dime bag, and uh, yeah, I started to smoke uh, long before the Beatles and 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 the whole hippie generation, because you know, it was first it was the Beatles and the mod generation, you know, where the it, sixty December of sixty four is when the Beatles. Uh, it's December of 63 was when the Beatles hit the radio, you know, and we were all like, what's a Beatle? You know, it, you know, uh-huh. that type of thing. That's right. And of course I quickly was inspired by that and, and, and um, completely went from having this, you know, almost West side story type hairstyle to um, cutting my hair like a bowl, you know, like the Beatles mm-hmm. had it. And um, so, <laughs> uh, and I was involved in music. So, you know, it, it kind of was a natural progression and uh, it was a lot of fun because, um, you know, I, I was smoking weed. Of course, my friends all were like, oh my God, you're going to become a drug addict. You know, they didn't know anything about it at the time. It was so little known about it. And um, I was cool with it. I, you know, I, I enjoyed it. And, uh, 
I enjoyed my friends. And uh, so it, so this is in 60, let's just say it's 64 um, when that thing started to go. So remember the summer, do you remember the summer of love? Uh, that was uh, at the Monterey Music Festival, uh -huh. which it was, which predated Woodstock. Okay. And it was the first major uh, music festival where drugs were openly used and, you know, and music. And that was in Monterey, California in the summer of 67, which they call the summer of love. Okay. And that's when I went to, um, I went to California then. And this is prior to, you know, to the hairdressing career and all that. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, like the doors, are you a fan of the doors? A hundred percent. Morris. Okay. Jimmy Morrison. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've okay, searched well, peyote out. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, Jim Morrison, uh, and the Doors were a local band, and we used to go see them at the Whiskey A Go Go on Sunset Strip. I mean, they were just a local band, you know. And um, so I started to experiment in, you know, uh, some hallucinogenics, you know, out there. And unfortunately, like I said, oh, I no, are we talking before. mushrooms or, or, or acid or, or uh, like, mostly, mostly? I'm just curious. Mostly back LSD was. or mescaline, you okay. know. Yep. But um, one night uh, I was at a party. And, um, and by the way, I followed a girl out there. I followed a girl that was much older than I was at the time. I was a youngin. Ooh, you know? you, you oh, wow. oh, she was absolutely dropped that gorgeous. I can't even begin to tell you how beautiful she was. But she was like 30, and I was like 18, if I remember right. Mm -hmm. And um, she just had a, you know, we had a little fling here, and then, but she was from there. And I thought, I, I got to go out there, you know. I just couldn't get her, her out of my head. Yeah. And uh, so the short story is, uh, we went to a party one night, and uh, when I was out in L.A., and um, I got drugged. I got drugged, but not in a so good unknowing way. Unknowing you, so you, yeah, you didn't. There was know. a drug called STP. Not too many people know about it. Um, so if you think of an LSD trip as a, uh, especially if back then, like blotter acid, that was a full twelve-hour trip okay. um we're talking uh stp was like 36 hours and of course some of it was had high high amounts of strychnine so i got strychnine poisoning and i ended up in the hospital and um it was pretty scary you know it was pretty scary and not having a, a really good job out there um i was forced to come home to rochester you know so well, at least you get you're safe. So so did that. And that's when I end? when yeah. I went yeah. back with my with with the girl that I had left Rochester, and that's when we became really steady. I had just met her prior to leaving, and I I didn't have her out of my head. It's just that I had the other one who was you know yeah uh, pie in the sky. Yeah, exactly. You know, mm -hmm. she was just really super oh, wow. hot. And uh, came right, back so then you came back, back, and that's when you got she turned you out of the hair, and that's when you came. Well, in well, so I, did you, I was with her. Your, your I was drugs with her. then at that point. Did that end? Like Psychedelics, was that enough for you, that one experience, or did you no, continue to No, 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 no. What well, happened was <laughs> when I started to recover, and it took a while because I was actually having, um, I'm trying to think what they call it, reoccurrences, okay, where I might be, let's say, uh, let's say I was meeting you as a friend to go have lunch, and um, I would just start tripping, you know, just and and nobody knew how to deal with that back then, you know. But I had a doctor, and he just <laughs> looked at me one day. He goes, you know, what? you're a nervous wreck. He gave me some Valium, which actually works on that problem. He just didn't know it at the time. He just thought I was nervous, but it really wasn't that. Yeah, it was a reoccurring. So, 
for a lot of people who want, might be confused, back in the day when just anybody was making willy-nilly back in the 60s, 70s, there were some a lot of stuff made that caused things like this reoccurring. Yeah. You don't hear a lot of it now with the stuff no. that comes out now. No. It was back then. Yes. It was because too many people were making it. There was new scientists. People were trying to make it their basements, um, thinking they knew what the hell they were doing. There's no YouTube back then. So a lot of people have the, the what you're what you're talking about. And oh, yeah. that used to be talked about. So I was a, I was brought up in the nineties, right? I graduated in ninety. Mm-hmm. So the eighties, seventies, I would hear about this recurring trip stuff and it was and just until you just mentioned that story, I never thought about the fact that we really haven't heard about it as my life has progressed. Mm-hmm. That's kind of gone away. Right. So it's definitely it was back then. Oh, absolutely. Back then. And, you know, a, a lot of people, you know, the, the big thing was uh, if you if you took acid. OK, um, you, you were like hoping that you weren't going to have a bad trip. That was a big thing. A good trip, bad trip. You know, like it was how it was made. I had a, I had a, right? I had a really good trip, or I had, no, I had a really bad trip. And I remember all of us used to carry something called Thorazine, which was a downer, heavy downer. I mean, if you took one when you were, you know, just straight, um, you'd be sleeping for a long time, you know. But we'd carry around one as an insurance, um, uh, you know, in case. We started going down the wrong path because I don't know if you you've ever had a bad trip, but the types that we had back then were pretty much just go to a horror movie or a, a something that's a nightmare movie, and there you go, it's it's real, it's right in front of you, and things melt, change, people. You know, I remember I was at a wedding one time and this woman was right in front of me and she basically turned into a hippopotamus, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the table was, the tables were melting. The the, the walls were, were going like this. Now, were you self-aware enough to know it was the trip so you weren't like looking like an idiot in that situation? Um, Yeah, because, you know, you know, I remember, I can't remember the song where, um, John Lennon mentioned, you know, um, I think it was Lucy in the Sky, yeah. and he said, "And you're gone." In other words, you, you just couldn't hold on to reality. There was a point at the trip where it started to get strong, where you just say, "Okay, I got to just let go." That's right. I can't hold on to reality because if you do, then you'd end up having a bad trip because you're hurts. you're going against the stream. You're going like, trying to swim against the stream, and you just couldn't do that. So. Um, too many people would freak out because of that. And of course, a lot of people just stopped doing it. But as soon as they'd have a bad trip, like, I'm never going to do that again in my life because they were afraid of it, you yeah. know? It, which we we kind of knew that sometimes you're going to just get a bad trip. And one of the secrets back then of not getting one, uh, because sitting in a room, uh, having things develop around you from, you know, from nothing. I mean, there could be that lamp over there and uh, it could become a bunch of different things, you know? <laughs> Depending on where your subconscious yeah, wants exactly. to go. Yeah, exactly. It could take Heck you yeah. anywhere that your that your imagination could go, you know? And, um, but one of the, the things I learned was to, to walk because as you walk, the scenery wa- uh, changed. And so you're not able to focus on any one thing for too very long, but just a real short one, a funny, a funny one was um, one time I, I did bladder acid with a, with a, a girlfriend of mine and um, we were in her apartment and she, back then people would paint the balls like really funky, fun colors, you know, she had lime green balls in you know, the paint. I remember um, she gave me a glass of grape juice, you know, with some ice in it. And it was about 45 minutes after we both dropped, you know, 
And um, I went to put the, the glass. She, she had said that somebody had given to her. It was a real mild one. So that's what we were looking for. Just a mild, you know, like a four-hour trip, more like a mescaline, you know, which was about a four to five-hour trip. And that was my one bad trip was I had a mescaline that lasted really? like 16 hours. Oh, then that definitely wasn't mescaline. No, it was. It was that's yeah, what sure? we were told it was. Yeah, 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 I, bet yeah. It was oh, I bet you it was acid, blotter acid or yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, of course. Because yeah, but, um, that's what happened to us that night. We, we, you know, 45 minutes into it, uh, mescaline doesn't do what, what, what I happened to me was I went to put the glass up to my, to my, um, mouth and, and looking inside, I had a purple, like, like, as if you were on the beach and a big, huge wave was coming, it was like waves, like, you know, like I could have hopped on, 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 on a ride for yeah, a, like you're a, on sitting a surfboard. On the sand. You're sitting on the sand looking at the yeah. waves rolling. In. So it's- she looked at me and I looked at her. And sometimes it's one thing with LSD that you never really had to talk. You just had a, you kind of knew what each other were, were going, you know? So we, uh, we decided to walk and we, you know, at the time we we're living around the Park Avenue section. So it was a little bit of a breezy night, of course, Breezy was intensified, so it felt like there was wind. And I remember walking down the street towards University Avenue, down Meg Street, and uh, to, to, to where um, University is, and then uh, on to East Avenue. And as we were walking, she had dark hair, and her hair was just streaming back in the wind, but it was full of colors, you know? It was just streaming um, uh, colors. And uh, and she looked so beautiful. Her, her smile, her teeth looked like they were the whitest white uh, that you could possibly ever, you know, and uh, we got up to the corner and I remember looking down the street and it looked like a, a, a sheer black glass, the street did. And I saw something coming down the street and we hadn't quite lost reality yet, but we were real close, you know, and what was really only a guy riding a bicycle looked like um, Humpty Dumpty the egg that was floating in air by, and as he went by, he said, hello, you know, like, Humpty Dumpty and, and we just would, we just looked at each other like, okay, did we just both see that type thing? I'm sure that that's, you know, maybe she saw something different, but, and so that night we tripped and I mean, it was probably the most cartoonish trip I ever had in my life. I mean, the wind became a choir, like as if you're in church, la, 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 you know, that type of thing. And then um, uh, uh, we went to this one little, by this little store, and we we, we actually thought we saw a frog uh, sitting in a, in a big high boy chair smoking a pipe, you know? It was just a crazy night. You get the picture, oh, right? Yeah, I love those nights. But yeah, it was, it was, those, it was yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't stop doing um drugs uh after that terrible i did stop for about six months or so but then i proceeded to continue doing that and uh what do you you think do you think that helped with the creativity in your product lines later on in life Mm -hmm. i'd say what what drugs did at the time was opened up a completely different way of looking at life and reality, you know, um, seeing things, you know, like I said, things that were right there in front of you every day, all of a sudden changed to something that was completely different, you know? Um, so I think it opened up my mind. Um, there were times where I realized being involved in music that sometimes if I did take drugs, um, while I was playing, I thought I sounded better than I really did. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So there was well, it sounded 
it was the attachment with your you to the instrument and yes. and it didn't matter how it sounded because to you yeah it was the music to me it making. sounded like i was rocking it you know that's and, all that mattered and, you know right? but when i listen back you know because sometimes we would tape each other i was like oh man <laughs> you know it was i i was like like i'd go off key or uh uh i'd I'd really miss a chord, you know? No, what but, instrument? You didn't mention what instrument you, So that's the only instrument yeah. you play? Okay. Yeah, I played guitar. I, I, w- I would say that I was never a great guitar player. I was more more singer. Um, I learned guitar because I was in a band, and they asked me to, to um, you know, play rhythm, you know, mm-hmm. um, in the band. So that was a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, I sang. I started singing on street corners doing doo-wop, you know, back in the old neighborhood. You got a doo-wop in you right now? Do up with me now? No, <laughs> no, no. You know I have problem with my vocal cords, I right? I, I, I had an operation on my okay. vocal cords. Yeah, I, I sang for a long time, and then I, um, I was actually doing, even doing commercials, writing commercials for radio and everything, and um, and even coordinating the studio. You know, as far as who is going to be on that commercial, and I'd write this local radio stations. Yeah, right? local at the time. Yeah, and. Uh, and and doing doing music and everything, but um, the 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 situation was is that um, I had a friend of mine that was in a band and he he was singing uh, a ballad one night. And I, I I knew the song. I knew that you know I'd heard him sing it before, and I said, "Wow!" I says, "That sounded amazing. What, what, your voice sound different." He says, "I'm taking voice lessons from this woman." So again, short story, I ended up going to this woman and of course she would not even let you do anything popular. You had to do either opera or um, like music from let's say uh, Broadway musicals uh, because she said, look, it's like, you know, you're gonna be stretching your voice, you're gonna be uh, doing vocal exercises and so on and so forth. So I definitely became a better singer. Problem is that um, she had always told me if you get sick, don't sing. And of course, I didn't listen. Nobody and I was in, actually involved in a shuffleboard tournament, a bar shuffleboard tournament, where you got, you know, 50 guys screaming and yelling at the top of their lungs, you know, having a lot of fun, okay? Mm, drinking. But drinking, and bullshit. I was sick and I blew my, you know. So I ended up having to have a surgery to have the polyps removed from my vocal cords. So singing is, you know, something I only do in the car to, for myself because I really enjoy it. You know, I'll never not yeah, enjoy it. But yeah, but it takes away it took away your the total sound. It 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 did. Although, well, that's another story, and and maybe we'll go there one day. I've actually practiced with a couple of blue blues bands and filled in uh, just um, because the voice is now more hoarse but more bluesy. Mm-hmm. And after a couple of doses of um, um, heavy THC, no, I was <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I had to take um, uh, some. Uh, oh, what do they call them now? Um, thyroid? No, th- not thyroid. It's not for thyroid. It's um, help me. Wish I don't have no clue where you're no. going. Otherwise, I okay, it's a it's it's a medication. Um, steroids. Medication for, oh, sorry. steroids. Steroids. Oh, okay, Thank right. you. I, I, I don't know why I couldn't get that out. No. Um, after a couple of um, bouts with with a, a problem I had, now where I needed to take them for uh, probably ten days each time, for some reason or another, it affected my throat. Hmm. It, it kind of healed it, so I was able to start singing again, and um, I I can still sing. 
better than I was for all those years afterwards. I have no clue why it worked like that. I've, I've been told that, you know, it, it, it probably just healed something, but whatever. Um, I'd love to do it again. Um, so if you were to microdose mushrooms and maybe add a little THC to the dye and CBD, <laughs> maybe it would even help heal that. I'm all more. about CBD now. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah. that. I, I and, love and it. Let, so, and so, uh, I've noticed a big difference in that too. So tell, so tell me a Vaping little bit. CBD is good for my throat. Oh, you, you feel it. That's good. Yeah. Oh, no, I know it's good because I actually had a sore throat one day and uh, I was over at uh, our friends at Bad Drips. And, um, bad Drip? Bad Drip. I always say Bad Drips. You're, the one, I, I gets, you're the one who gets me to say it and I get in trouble every time I say it like that with them. So please, it's, it's Drip. Bad Drip. Yep. So, okay. so yeah, our friends there. Yep. It's plural. Yep. I mean, it's single. Yep. So, so, so you're trying, you did a little CBD vape, you said? Yeah, I did it and uh, that day and it was just, um, and actually I didn't pay that much attention. I was like, okay, cool. I did it. Um, and then I went back into my warehouse and was working and and um, not even thinking about it. And then about 45 minutes later, I, I went to swallow, you know, you know, and I just was like, wow, it's gone. The, the sore throat is gone. So I've had a couple of situations using CBD in different ways uh, as you well know from the cbd lotion uh how that benefited you and i've had uh, some benefits with it and also applied it to other people um i i i massaged a woman uh that i work with neck because she was in real pain and i used that and she actually texted me back like about an hour and a half later, she goes, it's gone. It's gone. She goes, I don't know. It's probably a combo between you and, and that, but it's gone. So I've, I've witnessed it working. So I'm excited about that. And um, I'm excited to, 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 to work with more products that contain CBD. Um, what saddens me is kind of what's saddened me about the hair care world. And that's that... Um, there's so many um, commercial level CBD products out there that don't contain what we call the in the hair world we call it the real juice. You know what I'm saying? The the quality ingredients, the levels that you need them to be in. It's sad because it's ruining an industry. It's going to grow and it's tainting it at first. Exactly. That's it. It's going to taint it. So I well, make... Well, we can overcompensate it with good products later on, but... Good products and good education. You know, it's funny. I've been posting on, on Facebook about that, and uh, uh, I, I was surprised at the positive feedback I got, and maybe it's because I've talked about that in the hair care world many times, and being careful of certain ingredients are out, that are out there in the hair care world, like silicones, you know, and, and sulfates and so on and so forth, and... Um, so I think some people, you know, knew how I felt about that. So when I came out and said, look, you know, I, I saw a, a four ounce jar of uh, CBD lotion or cream, I guess you could call this one, um, that retailed for $100. It only had 30 milligrams of CBD in it for $100. And I thought to myself, wait a minute, we have 500 milligrams in the lotion we just created. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like... 30 milligrams for $100? No. That's just... And, and, and I knew when I saw some Praying of the other upon products... someone doesn't know what's going on. Yes, exactly. So there is an educational curve, I think, that we're all going to have to go through. Um, you know, whether you're a user or you're 
a creator of a product, a manufacturer of a product to, to, to get people to understand it. It's in its, it's still in its infant stages. I, I believe, I think it's got a long ways to go and I'm excited to be on this journey. I always liked being on, you know, journeys that are at the very beginning, you know, just like with the hair and the, and the hair, hair cutting that, that, you know, and, and, uh, hair products. Um, I love, I love journeys. I love create, you know, I love to, um, be involved in creative, um, uh, journeys, whatever they are. That's, That's right. Well, whatever exciting thing is coming up, I've been fortunate in my life where I've had a lot of projects like that. I've kept myself going, doing different things, but it's because of the journey within that career path that I was on that I enjoyed. And as soon as I didn't, I pulled myself out of it. And you, yeah. You kind of yeah. You, you, you don't want to be, um, involved in, in real ultra negative things. I I've seen that in you. And, and also I see the enthusiasm you have and the passion you have when you're on something that you really like, Brian, you know, I see that. And that was one of the things I think that drew ourselves to each other as far as friends, because I could recognize it in you right away. And I think you recognized it in me, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and some of our other friends. Yeah, that, we have a similar you know. passion. Yeah, we, we, we Ultimately, at the end of the day, Frank and I like to help people at the end of the day. Like, yeah. Frank and I are not those guys that are going to gather stuff and money. Like, yeah. we're going to be those guys that probably periphery have what we need to get by, but we're going to smile and have a ton of life experiences. Yeah. And when we're on our deathbed, him and I are not going to be sad. Like, no. Like, no. like mm. I'm not going to be sad. No. Uh, people around me might be sad because they're not going to see my energy and, and get to engage, but, you yeah. know, and razz me like they like to. But uh, at the end of the day, my life experience is, I don't have much of my bucket list now, and I'm only 46. Like You know, and, and you said something that, that, that's so true, and I've learned that also, and um, uh, being around all you guys, you know, um, what I've learned is that um, working together uh, on a task or a project um, and working together unselfishly and also um, not saying, well, I'm the big shot, I'm the big boss, I'm the this, but all as a team, you get so much farther along that way if if you drop your egos and, and you know what I'm saying? And it's nice that you periphery because uh, we have a group of seven people right now that we're forming a company in, in New York. I don't want to put too much information out there, but it's an exciting yeah. company. And, and Frank is is within the same building where we're creating this. So so he's a periphery person basically watching mm -hmm. seven of us put a lot of this together. So it's refreshing to hear you say that. Yes. And I, and I, and uh, you know, it's funny, my son, uh, when he was, um, when we discussed the CBD lotion uh, and, and making it and manufacturing it, you know, he, he was there for me. Uh, being in the investment business and so on and so forth, just to make sure that that everything went right for his dad, you know, meaning that you know, um, from a business standpoint, you know, because you know me, I'm not a, I'm not all about the business. I'm all more about the the the, the journey, mm -hmm. you know. And that's where I'm trying to work with Frank to help with Frank too. That's where yeah. him and I are friends. Yes, we, we exactly. See, I see he sees my weakness, I see his weakness, yes. and we make yes. each other stronger. Exactly, and that's what that's what a good team does, and. Um, that's why I said, like letting go of egos and just, you know, learning and, and letting people that are really good in a particular area do their, their, their job, you know, and, and respecting that. And, um, my son, as we walked out that day out of, um, bad drip, uh, he said to me, he goes, dad, he goes, you need to stay close with these people because, uh, they're on the move as far as, you know, um, the way that they do business, this is the future. He goes, and, and, and believe it, or believe it, he said, because I'm involved in it in my business. It's it's a different 
attitude, a different approach than the quote traditional, where everything rolled at the top, you know, rolled to the top, you know, sometimes, believe it or not, sharing um, can sometimes actually get you a lot further ahead. You know, he's doing that in the investments business right now, you know, he said, I eventually will be able to move back to Rochester probably if I wanted to, because other people will be managing the accounts that I opened and I'll actually be making more money, even though I'm, you know, I'm not present in that particular location. Because anymore. of the foundation he's building. He's there. building a foundation, but he's sharing. So those other people are going to do really well also, you know? So, um, yeah, different frame of mind, you know? And I, I think it's, it's, it's really good that people start maybe thinking that way a little bit more and not being so. A, a lot of times the corporate structures have been as in our lifetimes where it funnels up to CEOs that make a lot of money and you have a few people making a lot of money. Yeah. We, I think it's the 80-20 rule, yeah, if I'm not yeah, mistaken, yeah. right? And that's not how uh, collectively the business people that I've affiliated myself with think. They don't think that at all. They want to give back. They want to uh, reinvest. They want. That's the people we like to uh, surround exactly. ourselves with. It's not about having that big bank account. It's about everything else. Yes. And, 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 and you know what? One thing else I've learned, because uh, you know I love, I love doing products. I love developing products. It's my passion. Um. If you came over to my house, you'd see at night that I'm usually on the computer and I'm looking up ingredients. I'm always looking for new ingredients and in, 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 in alternatives um, to existing ingredients that let's say either I'm using or products I'm thinking about developing. And as you know, I'm working on my shaving line. So let's talk about this. So, so first of all, um, I'll, at this point, I like to do it before the end so people have two times to hear this, okay? So list all of your sites that people can find you, both for Dragon's Beard and for Alchemy real quick, please. Well, all right. Well, I, maybe I should explain Dragon's Beard. No, no, no. no, no. First, nope. list everything. Okay. This uh, is for there's someone. no site yet for Dragon's Beard. No, um, no, but it, but people follow you, right? There's, oh, you yes, post I'm on, I'm on, uh, uh, since I've been a, a wet shaving enthusiast for the last eight, uh, 10 years, sorry, uh, and a member of um, Badger and Blade. Um, it's a, uh, a men's grooming uh, site, although we're getting some ladies coming in there now too. Um, it, so it's badgerandblade.com kind of thing? Or? Yeah, badgerandblade.com. It's a, it's a forum, you know, uh, for wet shavers, and, um, which has grown incredibly since like 10 years ago. I think, uh, I think we had like about 1,800 members. I think we're over 140,000 members now. And at that time, there was only two other small, much smaller uh, wet shaving uh, forum sites. And now I think there's like seven and there's at least four that have an excess of 100,000. So the men's grooming industry has grown, I think it's like over 600% in the last few years. It's definitely uh, on the move. And uh, right now, I think I have about 85,000 followers right now. Okay, so, so let me stop you before we go on this tangent. Mm -hmm. So Alchemy, where could they find you for Alchemy Health Products? Uh, at alchemy.com, mm -hmm. and that's our website. Any social media that they can follow um, you on? Yeah, we're, we're on Instagram and Facebook. Yep. And can you spell it? Tell everybody, spell it out. Spell out your Instagram, spell it out so people... Oh, uh, the Instagram account is just Alchemy Hair, uh, hashtag Alchemy Hair. Um, and, and Alchemy, how do you spell Alchemy? It's A-L-C-A-M-E. And he has a little accent on goo over the E. So Alchemy <laughs> Hair, everybody. Yeah. Uh, he's on the social media sites. Also, just so everybody knows out there, uh, reach out to Frank or myself. He's actively looking for sales reps in the Rochester 
Buffalo, Syracuse areas yes, to I grow. Uh, he currently is in Florida. He currently has products in California. Yeah. He has products in the uh, how, in the South, um, entertainment the South industry. And, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. People in the entertainment industry. Where, where can people find your products awards, online? Yeah. So, no, yeah, please, please. Yeah, our, our endless summer beach spray um, got voted the best beach spray four years in a row now, and uh, even with uh, uh, another. Uh, what they call it. I don't think it's now the pole, endless but. summer beach spray. What is that for specifically? Uh, you could create like beachy waves with your hair, um, but then also just for people that maybe have um, wavy or curly hair and want to enhance that curl or wave, um, you know, can use it uh, like that. Um, it also can be used actually to even just give the hair texture if somebody wants a little bit of texture in the hair. Um, it's pretty unique product because it's 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 actually a double fill where you fill half the bottle. And then you have to come in and fill and add other ingredients. So it has it's two colors. The product itself is two colors, and you have to shake it to one color to use it. You know, because the tropical oils and natural um, 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 uh, uh, sea salts and all they have to blend uh, with each other. You know, because obviously oil and water don't really mix. So you shake the one color, you put it in your hair. Yeah, we, we get like great, great reviews with that product and some other products that we have mm -hmm. that uh, well, we've had some. So, um, so you can know, buy that you can get your fashion. retail online, right? Yes, you, uh, you can go, go to retail website, online, yeah. or are there certain salons in Rochester where your where your product is? Yes, now? there's uh, some salons in Rochester that have been uh, long, loyal uh, salons that have um, been carrying Alchemy for quite some time now. And uh, for example, uh, uh, Ashby Madison Salon on Park Avenue is one of them. They've been a longtime customer. Um, the Jackie O Salon and Spa out in Fairport um, is also another one. Salon uh, Ava uh, in Penfield and also the Bonsignor Hair Studio is also in Penfield. Um, images by Vincenzo in uh, Henrietta. There's more and I'm going to it's okay. Oh, and then Lori's signature salon in Greece and um there's others I just have to they're probably gonna kill me under that you're you okay. The, I'm just showing there's this many places that recognize his products as being good. He's across the country, he's their industry, like yeah, I said, the entertainment industry. in California, actually. We we have quite a quite a big following of, of products and uh, I mean um customers in California and area from uh, especially around the Sacramento and LA area. Um and even up in the Napa Valley, I don't know why they got up there, but it's up there. And I don't know, maybe people are close to each other up there and they talk about it because we getting keep getting orders from the Napa Valley. So interesting. And then, of course, down south, I've got um, a couple of great salons in Florida that are now carrying the product and doing very, very well with it. So I'm excited about it. I'm and, waiting um, for my 5% cut on that one too, by the way, everybody. The, one, the Florida one? <laughs> that one... Is actually from a customer of mine. Uh, I'm teasing him. I know, but yeah, the um, and then with back to the shaving, you know, I, I'm coming out with a a brand. It's called Ethos, and it's very culturally inspired. I, I felt like the the shaving world had similar situations where it was like if you were looking for a particular shave soap, let's say, and you went to a typical site, it would be difficult to let's say pick one out based on the names of the products 
um, on, you know, that they put on the product, unless it was just a simple name, like let's say lavender or lemon, that's pretty obvious. You pretty much know. But if not, if it was named in some, let's say, uh, it had a French name, a long French name or something, you might not know. And you have to click on it. You have to look at the description. You have to look at the scent profile and everything to see if it fits something that you want. Where by putting different collections, like if, if, if you went on and you saw, let's say, a collection that was called the Tropical Collection, for example, you'd pretty much kind of know what you're going to find in that collection of of shaving soaps, you know, the, the fragrance profile would pretty much be... And that's how you kind of set up your collections in the Alchemy hair too, right? Yes, and, I, and I'm doing the same thing with the shaving soap line, the Ethos, and uh, our little tagline is uh, artfully crafted, culturally inspired, and um, men's grooming products. And um, the, uh, the, the cool thing is that um, my screen name on Badger and Blade is Dragon's Beard, uh, Badger and Blade, is that B-A-D-G-E-R-A-N-D-B-L-A-D-E, right? It's Badger and Blade. It's the and um, symbol. S- symbol. Yeah. yeah. And um, so um, the fun the fun uh, story there is that um, I started something, because uh, I was kind of getting bored with some of the threads that were going on, you know, in the posts, because it seemed, seemed to be re- repetitious, uh, over and over, the same thing, talking about the same razors and all that. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, there's I, only so much in the industry, right? Yeah, and, only, and, 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 you know, you're and talking not, about soaps, you're talking about finishing products, or you're talking about shavers, right? I mean, yeah, and, and there's sections, you know, like, for example, in the double-edged razor section, um, you know, there's many, many razors, and, of course, a lot of them are vintage, too, which can be bought. Yeah, know, there's a big say, market for that, too. You've big market for that, yep. And then there, with young guys like yourself coming in to the industry and some, you know, that do very well for themselves financially, there's been a, a big um, eruption of... Um, um, artisan uh, razor makers, and you know some of them are really expensive. I mean, four or five hundred dollars for a razor, you know, but they're beautiful to look at. I mean, they're they are works of art, you know. And uh, so anyway, I thought about it and I said, hmm, I got a pretty decent collection that I've gathered over the years, you know. And I'm always adding because you know once you get what we call in the industry rad razor addiction. It doesn't stop. <laughs> you know, you see, oh, I got to have that. <laughs> and, and well, that's a, anybody can get, you know, crazy about anything. Anything, right? right? Yeah, I mean, I think you any, always have any that hobby. 10% of people that, yeah, right. you're going to If go you have crazy a hobby, hobby. you're going to get, you're going to get crazy. I have yeah, a friend of mine that, that collects wine corks. Okay. And he, he, he trades with people all over the world, you know? Um, it's, it's a big thing. I didn't realize some wine corks are worth the kind of money they're worth, you know? And I just pulled down a wine cork map of Italy at my cousin's house. So they're moving from Pennsylvania to Florida. Right. He built a map of Italy with wine corks. Oh, wow. And they are the, the, like people of wealth, right? And, and they've always done well for themselves. Right. I can imagine probably some of the corks on that freaking board probably were worth, but now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, oh, oh my God. I think, I can't remember um, the, the, I think it's, I think it was President Nixon, or no, not President Nixon, President Reagan. Um, I believe, but don't hold me to this. It was one of the presidents that had a, a private dinner and they had this certain champagne that was, and those particular corks, from what I understand, there were 12 people at this dinner and everybody got their own bottle of this rare, expensive champagne that was made for that particular situation. That, I don't know if it was just bottled that, you know, special or whatever, but those corks, are worth, I, I think somebody told me like $60,000 each. They're very, very rare. So, yeah. 
Because this guy corks. said that's his, that's like the holy grail of corks for him to have one of those corks, you know. So it, it, to each his own. But getting back to the shaving, what I, what I did is, you know, people love competition. You know that. I mean, in every sport, right, competition is a big thing. So what I did is I created what's called a shave off where I take two razors and I basically split my face in half you know, and I use one razor on one side and one razor on the other, and it's a competition. Like, which razor is going to give me the best, the best shave, the, the closest, the smoothest, the most it. efficient? I freaking love it. That's me. All it went I crazy. Love, yeah, it I'm went sure. crazy. And like I said, uh, um, moderators have told me it's the fastest growing thread in the history of the, the site. And I think we're up to like 164 pages, and it's it's still not even halfway done yet, which is you know, it's gotten crazy. Uh, my screen name is 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 Badge, uh, Dragon's Beard. So I love that. Did you come up with that? Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, I, I have a thing for dragons and tigers. I you know I actually give to um, to the um, uh, foundation uh, for preserving tigers. Um, what they do to tigers is terrible, and uh, so I have a thing about that. And um, yeah, just I love it. We got it. We got to have things we care about. Yes. So. The other thing is um, what happened with the dragon's beard is this woman who is an artisan soap maker, she's very well respected in the community. I happened to just use her soap in one of my shave offs and I gave it a very good review because it is very good, you know, and uh, she happened to either was told about it or came on the site. Maybe she was following it. I found that people that I did think would be following it are following it, you know, and um, she reached out to me and said, you know, I, I, I've looked at not only the whole thread and and your review and all that, but also I see how many people thank you. They are always thanking you for helping them get better shaves, um, you know, no no irritation and 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 also when choosing a new razor uh, rather than buying something blindly, they just know something about it before they spend their money. So um, I noticed how many thanks you get. So, you know, to me, she said, you've contributed a lot to the, the wet shaving community. So she is doing a shave soap with my name and my screen name, Dragon's Beard. And uh, she asked me to, co once she found out that I actually make products, she asked me to collaborate and that maybe I could help her actually make it better. So that's what we did. We, we did a collaboration together. So uh, Ethos will actually officially launch through her soap that's going to have both her name and my name on it. You know, mm -hmm. the, so the you're ethos. a collaboration, the two of you. It's a collaboration, like yeah. It. Same thing I'm going to be helps doing with the, the first CBD uh, shape soap. Financing. Yep. I'm doing a, a collaboration with a uh, uh, one of the biggest shave soaping uh, shave soap companies, who's actually out of Cooperstown, uh, New York, and we're going to be making the the first CBD shave soap and aftershave, which uh, will be in the Ethos collection. Um, which hopefully, if everything goes right, we should launch right around um, May first. I don't oh. think it'll be any longer than that we that's incredible yeah I'm you got packaging and stuff all square yeah away, yeah all yeah there. we're kind of going a little bit off uh off the, the normal path with that too, to create more of a uh an experience you know mm -hmm. and uh um yeah i'm getting real excited i've worked with a great girl um from k2 designs uh, on park avenue um monica julian she's wonderful and uh she's a great designer and she helped me in the early days with alchemy and um so 
yeah, we, it was kind of fun just getting back with her and we're forming this team, you know, and, uh, we're actually going to be working. Um, uh, I have a company that, uh, has been, um, kind of just something I created, but never really followed through with that much. It, it's called limitless manufacturing. So we're going to be creating brands, uh, as a, as a team, we're going to start creating brands for people that want personal care products uh, of any sort. I have a couple of people that are interested in that right now. Mm-hmm. And just like I did with the it's CBD. Good idea. Yeah. yeah good idea. So, I mean, you, you're, what I've learned about you in this industry uh, and, and from you is that this industry is complicated. It's tough to find the good from the bad. You almost need a consultant to get you into this industry because you try to make a product and call blindly into the industry. <sighs> You're dead. You're dead. You're almost dead before you start. And then people will take advantage of you also, you know. Um, uh, and people will steer you in the wrong direction too, you know. Um, Especially if they think you're going to be a competitor. Either that or even if they're advisors, uh, sometimes they're, if they're coming from a real surface level, so if they advise you on a product, they'd say, ah, you know, you don't really have to put that ingredient in at a high level. Just put it in, in the water phase. So it's, so it's in there, but it's really not doing anything because it's all for, for them. It's all about marketing. It's not really about substance and the quality of the substance, you know, and I just can't go to sleep with myself at night knowing that type of thing is I, I can't have that in my products. Me neither. You know, yeah, and when, when, when the, the boys over at Bad Drip asked me to, you know, uh, get involved in creating this, this um, um, CBD lotion, and when they said they want the best, that just rang a bell with me because I'm like, good, they're not going to go for the, you know, the marketing BS. We did only. not. We did not want a product that wasn't going to stand up over the time. And number one, and number two, we didn't want anybody to question if it worked and the quality of it. So we, you know, when we, we to, Frank worked with me and a team of gentlemen on creating a lotion, talking about the viscosity, talking about every little aspect of it in a room for several hours, over and over again with several samples. And we did not settle. We how many samples no. did we go through? Frank, like 10, um, nine, 10 different Yeah, it was it was almost right? ten samples. Uh, and then you we considered did, the uh, flavors four, on top of that. I think we did a total of four revisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I have to say that the to me the viscosity of the product is like spot on. You know, um, the 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 obviously the uh, smoothness and and. Um, I, I, I love the two scents that we have right now. And and I know that uh, the guys have talked about doing other scents at some time in the future. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, first we got to get these out the door. And uh, right. I, I think they just smell wonderful, you know. But but they also seem to perform. The testimonials seem to be coming Oh, God, coming that's, the, that's the number one most important thing is, is how they perform. I mean, you know. So you yourself have used the lotion we created. Um. Yes. Am I, am I, are you correct? Oh my God. Yeah. So tell I, me your opinion time. of it yourself. Now, now you are, have been in the industry, yes. skincare, hair care. So I really, I, I don't think you and I have had this discussion. So I'm going to be very interested okay. to hear the words that and you so use to describe it. And so I'm going to take it from the beginning. Please. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. And, and, and so. And what, th- what's your opinion on lotion? First of all, what's your opinion on lotions in general in your lifetime prior to the, uh, this CBD lotion? I want a set of table. You know what I'm doing here. Yeah. Um, well, lotions to me um when i say lotions i could be saying creams right um 
the thing that they ha that has to happen with any lotion or cream is there's issues that have to be taken care of um, topically, you know, on the outer surface of the hair, but then a uh, skin. But there also has to be uh, ingredients that are what we call active ingredients that go in and actually do good things for your skin. You know, whatever the situation is, if it's just something as simple as moisturizing, or if you need protection from UV rays, um, if you have um, an issue with spots, you know, um, so there's many, many different lotions and, and creams and what they do. But um, to me, it's having a good balance of both topical and now, yes, there are some products that need to be much more topical because of uh, mostly from a protection standpoint. That's really evident when you're talking about, let's say, sunscreens, you know, how you want something that's really going to protect you um uh, whereas if you have um, problems with, with dryness, extreme dryness, and I've seen that, um, or you need like a lot of moisture, you need active ingredients. So using a, and I won't name brand brands, brand names to, to, to hurt anybody's, you know, business. I don't like to do that, but if you I'm get, I'm glad I like that. Cause it shows people that you're, you're respectful. Yeah. Even though I don't believe in their product, but I, you know, like for example, um, some big name, uh, hand lotion that you can get in any drugstore, supermarket or whatever, um, for $2 and 89 cents in a large size. Um, they're using molecules that are gigantic. I mean, it'd be like taking a basketball and comparing it to like a, the tip of a, a, a pin. Okay. Um, and these molecules just do nothing but lay on the surface of your skin. So as far as if, let's say you had dry hands and you needed real good moisture, yes, they're going to make your hand feel really nice for that minute, hour, until you wash your hand. And then all the, there, there are no lasting benefits. It's just topical. As soon as you wash your hands, your hands are dry again. You so it's basically saying? just to show that your skin's not ashy for the time it's on your skin. That's all it is. It's right? just a temporary fix. It, it, so it's not something that will increasingly make your skin better at the longer you use it. Mm -hmm. That's when you really need topic or, or, or active ingredients that will go in. And you know, there's many different active ingredients on natural organic oils, for example, um, uh, many of them are, are, you know, really tiny molecules, uh, jojoba oil, obsidian oil, um, uh, there's cocoon nut oil. These are all oils that have small, small molecules and they're wonderful for, you know, um, uh, penetrating, you know, and then of course there's some essential oils that are great. Like lavender oil is very healing, you know, um, so but I was talking to someone the other day, lavender is a difficult thing to have actual natural lavender really <laughs> in any product. You know why? Right? It costs a freaking fortune. You know, I'm just going through that now. I just got, and I'm really excited because I know something as simple as lavender, um, like when I come out with my shaving soap and aftershave, um, I acquired some um, very high quality lavender from a particular valley in France through a friend of mine. Um, it's extremely expensive. Um, but I just, when you, when you have something like that in your possession, you can't go backwards. So lavender has a healing property to it. Okay. Um, you can use it like, for example, um, in some of the salons that I know, um, let's say you had your eyebrows, waxed 
we're just using that for a simple example, right? Uh, they get a little bit red, you know, when you pull that wax off. So a lot of salons will put some lavender oil on it to help with the healing process, you know, so the redness goes away. And um, of course, real good lavender oil for me. I love the scent. It's calming. And in, in, in relating it to shaving, it's one of the few... Um, one of the few that I use if I do a late night shave, because I got to go to bed. I don't want to be smelling like cologne. You know what I'm saying? I don't want a cologne scent if I have to go to sleep. I want something that's calming, that's soothing, you know, um, relaxing. Um, and lavender has always been like the probably number one um, uh, essential oil for that particular, you know, effect you know uh, so would you say in the marketplace most of the things that have lavender in it are probably synthetic versus natural oh yeah because it, it's just too expensive you could almost you know you could almost look at at products and their price point to know if it's really in there because um it it, it costs a lot of money i in fact um relating to that you've heard of sandalwood right um well you know sandalwood probably that and patchouli are the two uh, essential oils that really represent, um, and maybe Lang Lang, you could throw that in, the whole hippie generation. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. that's what we wore. You know, sandalwood, Lang Lang, patchouli. patchouli. I well, hate, I hate I'm not a big fan of patchouli, I'll be honest with you. No, not at all. Um, I wore more sandalwood back then, but it was readily available and at somewhat of a reasonable price. Well, unfortunately, um, India, which is the was the biggest source of sandalwood and, and the best quality sandalwood. Um, they had huge forest fires, which destroyed many, many, many thousands and thousands wow, of acres. Wow, you don't even think about that. Like yeah. an industry could be affected by a natural oh, disaster. Oh, yeah. And wow, sandalwood cool. oil is now is so ridiculously expensive. It's almost like liquid gold. It really is. It's it's even way beyond lavender. And if you can get, if you can get Indian sandalwood, which is called Mysore, uh, there's different names for it. I shouldn't just say Mysore. That's just generalizing. But um, it, it's, it's super, super, super expensive. The biggest uh, source of for sandalwood now is Australia. They, they got on board early um, and have been uh, they've done a great job. I have to say the the Aussies have done a great job of establishing thousands and thousands and thousands of acres of sandalwood trees. And although their sandalwood has a, more of a distinct, you know, and there's different um, strains of it, um, some of theirs is excellent. It's very, very good. Um, although it's not, it's, it, it'll never be the holy grail like the the Indian sandalwood. Um, I actually have a sand, sample of Indian sandalwood coming, but I'd be more than proud to put in a, a high quality Australian sandalwood in, in one of my products. But there again, what you just said before, probably 95% of the products out there that say they're sandalwood, um, they have either complete fragrance oil, just sandalwood fragrance oil. Uh, some of them may put in one drop of real sandalwood to just say they have essential sandalwood, you know, essential oil in it. Um, I'm not going down that road. I'm going for it. So we're going to have some limited edition soaps that are going to be of higher price. And so I was going to say, you're not, it doesn't sound like you're scaling this up to be a, a huge thing. This is going to be limited edition type stuff. Well, right? no, what, what I thought was kind of a refreshing change, um, 
see, to me, going back to that, quote, honesty policy, you know, that I told you about before, that's in my brain. It's just built within me. That's um, to a fault. Price point. Price point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when I see a, when I go to a shaving site, for example, where they sell shaving supplies, and uh, let's even one particular brand, let's just use it as an example. And I see that they have 30 different shave soaps, right? And one might say lavender, it might say sandalwood, it might say uh, lemon, it might just be a cologne type scent, right? Uh, a copy of a cologne, you know. Um, okay, if they're all at $15, that tells me a lot, you know, for, for a puck of soap. It tells me that there's a really good chance that the sandalwood, the lavender, the oud, okay, which oud is the most expensive ingredient in the world, period, mm-hmm. amen. Um, and we along, put that in our in the TB lotion. Yes, okay. we did, and um, and along with uh, some others um, that uh, you know uh, are are very expensive, like sandal, like uh, sandalwood, like we just talked about, rose absolute. Um, anyway, um, I'm going to price point my products based on what's in them, which to me is a new, refreshing approach. In other words, if it doesn't have a super expensive, let's say, essential oil in it to create, let's say, a fragrance, something as simple as a fragrance. So if it's just a a lemon, let's say, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and I can, but I will use real lemon. I'm not using the, you know, the fragrance, lemon fragrance oil. Um, then it won't be as priced as high as like the pure sandalwood soap, you know, and, and people will know that. You know, that's part of the educational part of, you know, the coming out with a brand and, and letting them know that we're, we're not going to just, you know, charge one price and um, and either not give you the ingredient or overcharge you for another ingredient that shouldn't be that expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. there's no need for it to be that expensive. So realistic pricing. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I like it. It's kind of very, it, it, from a consumer's perspective, that's refreshing to know that, okay, if this product, okay, if this costs this much. I know that it's a better quality or he needed to spend more to make it a better quality product. Yeah. And in this case, he's got another in his ethos collection that's cheaper, but it does it's not cheaper because it's a worse quality product. Right. It's just, you needed less uh, money to invest into the ingredients. Into the ingredients. Product. Exactly. That's and that's how everybody should be. You right? know, I mean, it's simple. Uh, Brian, um, uh, a gentleman told me this a long, long time ago. And, um, uh, I don't know his name. I just met him. I actually met him in a lawyer's office in New York City, and uh, he was an elderly gentleman. He had just sold his company for over $500 million. You know, he was in the uh, manufacturing business of personal care products, Mm -hmm. you know, a wise old man. And he said to me, he said, the big secret is to separate marketing from reality. Amen. And that, to me, struck home a thousand percent and I've remembered it every single day that when I look at a product and I analyze a product, uh, whatever product it is, even if I'm in the grocery store sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. just shopping, I just always remember that, you know, and, and try to stay true to that, that, you know, that philosophy and, and, and give people what they're paying for, really give that to it. Don't just make it fluffy and foo-foo, do you know? In my 20s, I used to sometimes sit in my soapbox, right? Because I, w- I would kind of still see society for what it was, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel bad for this. But one weekend, uh, my ex-wife and I were hosting one of her good friends from, from 
you know, growing up and I knew her too. And uh, her and her man were came in from New York City for the weekend and they're definitely those pretentious too, right? Like, <clears throat> but they're both in the advertising business in New York. Right. And right, even early in my 20s, I understood what you, without someone saying what you said, but now it's kind of all, I love when these conversations come because I'm like, holy smokes, I kind of always thought like that, right. not knowing it. So in my 20s, they came in, we hosted them for dinner, hanging out. And by the end of the, by the end of the night, I'm sure they were annoyed with me because I basically was saying, yeah, the reason why all of us people here, middle class, Rochester, you're coming to visit right now. The reason why our cost of living is higher is because of what you guys do every day. In New York City. Well, you know, I mean, and, and I mean it negatively. I mean, yeah, you know, obviously it's well, a whole process. And let's we, face the, it, the right? In today's world, it, everybody's super sensitive about everything. And as far as uh, you know, being quote politically correct, even well, even though you may be speaking the actual truth. Based on data, I think that's a thing that people don't do today. Is they don't really look for for actual data. Amen. They just blurt out their opinion, emotional opinion, and emotional they want to put opinion, it like it's fact. rather than look at actual facts. And it really is sad. Um, I am very, very uh, much, uh, and uh, you know, I have a, a, a strong voice. I don't always speak it, only because you know, but. I, I dislike it when people refer to each other by, let's say, for example, the color of their skin. What defies a person? You know, like, first of all, from a scientific standpoint, uh, example, there's no such thing as a white person or a black person. Do you Can know you what I mean? Can you please tell the story of when you were doing a shoot in, for in Alchemy Los, in, in Las Los Vegas? Angeles? Yeah, no, wherever it was. Los please, Angeles. Th yes. This is my favorite. This is one of my favorite Frank Lapani stories. Okay. Ever, right? Please. So, um, yeah. Paint and the scene. Paint the scene so people understand. So, okay, so, so wait, wait. Frank Lapani is 72 years old. He's working in the hair industry. He does not have a racist. Uh, he does not. He sees someone for their soul. Okay. I'm going to tell everybody this right now because I don't want anybody to take this story any different way other than this is a good man that really paid attention to something that happened and found a way to bring people together. So, so any of you negative haters right now, stop listening because this story should not be viewed negatively at all. So tell the story. Yeah. All right. So we were doing a photo shoot um, uh, for um, not only hairstyles, but we included fashion in it uh, with some absolutely amazing looking women out there in LA, um, a photographer, a videographer, you know, and, um, um, and there were, uh, uh makeup artists, um, and hairstyles. Um, I did not want to do the hair for the shoot because I wanted to be, uh, more involved in, let's say, directing the shoot, you know, mm -hmm. and this is for your product line, right? Yes. It was for, for Alchemy. Yeah. For my product line. And, you uh, still have pictures from that shoot, I think. Oh, still, yeah. Right? It's, yes. uh, there's some great photos on, on our website, you know, of uh, some of these uh, wonderful girls who I, I actually now call friends, you know. Uh, we all bonded on that shoot, you know. And um, so... Any, How many uh, people were working together at this point? Uh, probably around uh, 11 at that point. And, uh, and you were in a suite, hotel suite kind of thing? We, we actually centered? had the top... Of the W Hotel, I don't know if you know what the W Hotel is. It's it's a hotel where um, a lot of red carpet events are happen in 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 LA. You know, in fact, there's 
a consistent red carpet, you mm -hmm. know, out there for events. And mm -hmm. uh, so um, one of the girls who was um, involved in the shoot, she does um, some marketing also. Um, she's seen on like Home Shopping Network and things like that. She's She's got a million things going, you know, one of those people that does so many things. She was a mm -hmm. professional model also, but she, she got to the point, I think, where um, she just had other interests. And uh, although she still does some modeling, but, but uh, um, she has a marketing uh, company, basically, and uh, she's very talented. She's actually from this area. What's her name? Ashley Michelson. Okay. And uh, Ashley hooked you up with that suite then, is it? Yeah. Um, and she took care of it arranged, and she was so organized with the whole shoot. She just knew how to do those shoots, you know. She'd done so many of them. And uh, got the models. Uh, some of her models were friends of hers who were models. And uh, I definitely had better models than I could afford. You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. they, they just appreciate you want to be involved with your product. Line, and we I'm had sure. such a great right. time. I, like mm -hmm. I said, we're bonded to this day. And um, uh, an amazing makeup artist who does a lot of work with Warner Brothers and, uh, you know, is always on the movie sets, Universal Studios. She's always on the movie sets. Um, and she's a and her big is? user of Alchemy. She, mm -hmm. like she always tells me, I'm obsessed with your product. So that really makes me and feel I've helped good. you ship packages to her. So yes, what's her name? Yes, you have. Nia, yeah, what's her Nia name? Nia Joy. Okay. Nia Joy. For anybody that wants to look her up, Yeah, she's, she's on awesome. Instagram. You can look her up. Um, beautiful work she does. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, we have this team of people that are working on the models, you know, um, and their hair uh, for that day. And then also, um, you know, um, putting the right clothes on and assistants that were making sure that the, the um, they were pulling the right outfits for certain shoots and so on and so forth. So it was really a long day. We started at four o'clock in the morning and, you know, so by three 30 or so, everybody was just getting all, I burnt out. I could see it, you know? And um, so I said, you know what? Even though some of them don't drink Coca-Cola, you know, most of them drink water, you know, uh, like a lot of us do. Um, I said, you know what? I think we need some Cokes, you know. So I ordered Cokes for everybody. I told them to just bring it up. Don't, we're not going to ask. We're just going to bring it up, you know, lots of ice. And and they just all were like, ah, you know. Needed that little sugar fix. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's like what happens. They, so they you're, were when like you're so working, thankful. Yeah, yeah. It's just you know, a sugar fix yeah. to help you. So get we to all it. gathered yeah. around this table, and there were tables up there that were normally used for, let's say, an event that maybe um, where people were sitting down to eat. So they all had tablecloths, and all the tablecloths happened to be black, you know. And, um, and that was also the tables they were using to, to where the makeup artists were using and the hairstyles were using, you know. Yeah, to get so, ready for the shoot. Um, yeah. They kept referring to each other by calling each other names, uh, whether it was jokingly or, you know, and meaning like, uh, uh, you know, black dude, a black girl, white guy. What, so you know. telling stories about people and they're referring yeah, to. Constantly, yeah, constantly. You know, so talking, yeah. I just said, you know, hey, guys, can, can I like have a minute? Can everybody like gather around the table for a second? I just have to say something. And... Um, and and I didn't tell him what I was where I was going with this, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, I asked the girl who was uh, picking out, uh, writing down all the outfits. You know, she had to pull the outfits. You know, so she had a clipboard. You know, with all the numbers of uh, that Ashley had set up. You know, like um, you know, yeah, this for, group five hundred four, five hundred six. You know, all that. I asked her for a piece of copy paper. You know, um, which obviously is very white. Mm -hmm. So I had everybody gather around the table. So. Um, um, Steve was 
the darkest person in the world, in the world, in the room, excuse me, um, in this particular day. So I asked him, I says, uh, I says, could you put your hand on, on the uh, table, which was pure black, you know, tablecloth. Mm -hmm. And I said, what color is your hand? So he goes, I don't know, like dark chocolate brown. So I, I made it into a very positive, I said, it's a beautiful description. Wow. Perfect. So Nia, she's uh, half Hispanic and half uh, African-American. I asked her, and, and, and she says, I don't know, kind of a, like a light caramel. I said, excellent, perfect. You know, I was just turning it into positive. So we went through everybody. Ashley, who's um, beautiful skin, um, pinky. You know, pinky. Mm -hmm. You know, so we we just did that, and I put, I, I, and I I said, um, I said, could you bring over that piece of copy paper for me? So, put that white paper down on the table, and I put my hand on it, and I said, so what color is my hand? And they said, oh, kind of a light tannish. You know, I says, okay. So basically, there's not one person in this room who's black. And there's not one person in this room that's white. We're just all people of color. And that's the basic, you know. And I said, when can we stop referring to each other by the color of our skin? Like, oh, that black dude over there or that uh, the white guy over there with the blue blue suit on. Why can't do we always have to put the color along with the description? Can't we just say the the girl in the red dress over there, mm -hmm. whatever color she is, sure. right? Whatever color skin, we're all we're all people of color, mm -hmm. and we can eliminate that one thing. And you know what happened in that room that day? Everybody just Nia started crying immediately. She came up and hugged me. Uh, um, Stephen James came up and hugged me, and it was like this kumbaya moment, you know, where everybody was like, "Yeah, like we got to get rid of this," you know that that I said it's just so negative and and you know it, it almost is like a derogatory statement you know like you don't need to do this you know uh it's we a need nice to, epiphany we, we need to get rid of that you know we need to get rid of that i i just don't get it don't like it and i won't do it i refuse to do it you know i've lived on the streets of rochester uh, my grandfather owned a business in the middle of the inner city of rochester mm -hmm. i have never seen people by color ever. They see me as a person of color, but I don't see them and mm -hmm. they have to get to know me to realize that I don't. Like right. people, rot, uh, a lot of people are not sure defensive people. They're just, they look away from you. They don't want to engage. If, if you look like someone different, like they, they want to stay in their lane and they don't want to be told something that might be out of their lane. Right. They have to feel uncomfortable. Like that's right. Rochester in a nutshell, folks. Right. Like they, what they were taught growing up, they don't want to be told different unless they have if they have good facts that they can't fight, they'll eventually turn. Right. So Rochester's not that bad. Right. But it is hard to turn people. You've lived here 70 years. You've been around everywhere. Do you see? Yeah. Am I right? Well, there's some people that just won't change. You know, there are. And yeah, there are, are there everywhere. racist? Yes, there are racist. There are people that are racist in every every genre. I mean, every, you know, I don't care. They're racist. You yeah, know? I'm not even talking about racism. I'm yeah, just but, about, but you know but what yeah, I'm saying. Oh, there absolutely. are people that yeah. are both, quote, African-American uh, uh, that are racist uh, towards whites, uh, you know, if you want to call people white, um, and I'm referring to how other people would describe people, mm -hmm. um, yeah, and us. then and vice versa, and everything in between, you know, I mean, people stereotype um, Asian, uh, Asian Americans, uh, uh, Latin Americans, uh, I'm Italian, so <laughs> we've certainly been stereotyped, you know, like, 
oh, they're all mob people. No, you know, it's it's kind of comical if you really look at it that way. And I, it is. I think it's time that we move on. And that's why I, even with my hair care line, I promoted diversity. You know, and with my shaving line, I'm promoting diversity. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because I believe in it, and I I think um, you know we just need to stop separating each other and and. Uh, from from each other and, and really embrace. You know how I separate people? It's pretty easy for me, Brian. What do you got? Good people and bad people. That's it. That's you it. either have good intentions or bad intentions. Yes. Some good and people can sometimes have bad intentions. Uh, of course. But generally speaking, we're talking about right. acting out. You know, right. if people murder, kill, yeah. rape, do all those kind of your things. Values, like that. Your values, your morals, and values. Yes, right? those are Ex exactly. Words, so that's how I separate people. That's the only way I do. Right. I don't separate them by color. That's I don't. Right. I don't believe in it. So, so we're getting to the edge here. Uh, uh, we're going to have you on for another episode because uh, there's a couple of things we haven't mentioned here with Rank that I want to get into. First of all, being a, a, a male in the beauty care industry for so long, I know we can get a ton of stories out of that, folks. Just know where I'm going down that road. <laughs> Secondly, we haven't talked about the fact that he has raced cars in his day. Okay. So this is what I'm prepping everybody to say Love when you can that. have Frank back on. Uh, we're going to have him back on to talk more about the shaving and the CBD because we barely touched on that. We also are going to have him back on to talk about, uh, he was a fighter. He like Frank's is a little barrel chested. He's got, he's a tough guy. Like the early day. days, like, the yeah. early days of These um, are, MMA. So, uh, you know, I don't know if anybody knows Hoist Gracie, but you know, I actually studied with Hoist a little bit and, uh, you know, I got my brown belt Brazilian jujitsu, but we also, um, did, uh, our share of, um, you know, uh, I guess you could say when it first started MMA type fighting, you know, and, uh, I had a lot of fun with, uh, all the guys at martial arts and, uh, also helped, uh, do training classes with, uh, for the Rochester police department. And also we had a woman's self-defense class that was real life stuff, not, you know, not the foo-foo high ass stuff, you know, that, you know, doesn't yeah. really work in an emergency so we're going to have Frank on again soon. It's going to be actually an episode soon because I'd like to do back-to-backs close to each other. So we're going to have him on the next couple of weeks again to mm -hmm. piggyback on this information. You but there's one one prod, pro, uh, product that you have in Alchemy that I want to ask your advice on. Mm -hmm. So I just rescued a dog a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> and I forgot one of the things about dogs that is is tolerable to me, but I'm trying to find some way to ease my nose so you as you know frank you've been around me i've i've kind of a sensitive palate yeah. sensitive yeah. nose about yeah. things i'm kind of goofy i'm well aware everybody can razz me about it whenever they want but the dog smell so your first lather he's made this wet product dog, called wet first, dog is the worst yes so first lather is a product that frank yes. has made right and and this product he introduced it to me by putting a little bowl of ammonia in front of my nose and then he mixed it with first lather and first i put my nose up to the ammonia and i could everybody knows ammonia i couldn't even get my nose within an inch of that thing i, I knew what i was going to face he mixes it with his first lather and i could put my nose right up to that a cup of ammonia with the first lather. So my question is, is it safe to use your first lather to bathe my dog when I bathe my dog? Absolutely. And I have several people that do it. Um, it, it basically um, eliminates odors, um, and but it also eliminates um, chemicals. Uh, the reason why we created it, um, and there's nothing like, like it out there right now. That's why I'm bringing it up, because if anybody 
Explain what it is because you're going to want to order. Okay, so like for example, with hair color, I'll just use hair color because a lot of people could relate to hair color. Um, Carolyn, hair color has ammonia hydroxy in it, most of it, and um, or a substitute. Um, and also you mix it with hydrogen peroxide. Um, some uh, have other nasties in it, like some actually contain formaldehyde or the vapors are created by the chemical process that happens. So what First Lather does is it not just eliminates the odor of those chemicals, but it actually um, eliminates the vapors. So those vaporous gases can wreak havoc on a person's scalp. So what you do is you use it, you know, when washing out a color, for example, or a bleach or anything, any sort of chemical. So as it's also eliminating the odor of that product, it's also eliminating the vaporous gases. And um, so now you're kind of left with a clean, clear palette. So let's just say that you have this amazing smelling shampoo that's a moisturizing shampoo. We're just using that for an example, okay? And um, and I don't care what brand that is. I really, it's got nothing to do with Alchemy in that sense. Um, it doesn't matter what brand you have. But what happens now is that customer, rather than getting this olfactory experience of mixing uh, whatever shampoo you're using with the hair color, because that doesn't always smell good. You know what I'm saying? That combination doesn't always work together. So it's kind of like, ugh, you know, they don't say anything. They just deal with it because they figure I got to get my hair colored. So I'm just going to deal with this nasty smell. And, you know, so now you've created a completely clean palette from both a health standpoint and a uh, olfactory standpoint. You know, it's, it's clear and it's clean. So when you put that second shampoo, that's why First Lather, the name First Lather, you put it on, you're getting that full, beautiful experience of, you know, that particular fragrance, you know, of that shampoo and also getting the benefit of that shampoo if it's a moisturizing shampoo. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you're washing hair color off, with a moisturizing shampoo, you're getting no benefit. All you're doing is washing hair color off. That's all. Because if the hair is full of hair color, it's all. So it's if you have do. this expensive moisturizing there shampoo, you go. You're there you go. I mean, you're you're kind of wasting that particular. So if you get rid of all that with the first lather, um, so I've had people use it. For example, I do because I, you know, I love to cook. Mm -hmm. So and being Italian, obviously, I cook with onions and garlic a lot. So mm -hmm. I actually use first lather in the kitchen um, to wash my hands. Uh, to get rid of these smells. So absolutely, it works on on So on I'm getting dogs. some First Lather from you this weekend. Yeah, and you know what I've also done with First Lather, which is kind of cool, is um, I've taken and used some essential oils in First Lather to um, just, you know, enhance the experience, you know. Um, grapefruit oil, for example, is wonderful with First Lather. Uh, if yeah, you like, smell good on my dog. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, 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 you know, you... I, I, I'm husky. even thinking of actually creating, um, uh, like customizing first leather for, for customers if they should want it, you know, Good idea. Uh, for, the, for, for that reason alone. And, and every uh, salon, every, every, every salon, salon should, should have, have first leather Whether on their bar. Use no what, order the, order the large size first leather from Frank. Put Levani it at the back right bar now, and please. just. Please, well, a simple design product, simple design. Like, you don't, people don't even know you have another product line if you're trying to avoid having 30 product lines. Have First Lather, please. Yeah. 
Yeah, it at works. the back bar. That's all. Just have it at the back bar. And like you said before, um, if you have, uh, uh, if your life, uh, if you have a, a pet in your life, um, and uh, you take, let's say, for example, like a dog, it's a great example, and especially if he has medium to long hair, and you get him out in the rain, uh, we all know what, what, what dog smells like, you mm-hmm. know, and, sure. and not the greatest scent. And you, like you said, Brian, you have a real sensitivity to, to, to those smells, you know, and, uh, and you're not alone. I mean, I have had dogs, you know, all my life and I still can't stand the smell of a wet dog. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> just, I, 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 I will accept it as part of it being a dog owner, but right. if I can waylay it at all. Yeah. And, and, and so, so for and, the record, I did try first lather on him this week, mm-hmm. but the reason why I asked safely, if you had said not safe, I wouldn't have admitted to doing it, but I did use it this week. Mm-hmm. And for the record, it did work. Yeah. Oh, it, it, it definitely dampened yeah. the smell. The minute he came out of the tub, there was a little of the wet dog smell, very little. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as I toweled off all the moisture off of him, the smell went away with basically the moisture being taken off of him. Right. And, and, and it would. Um, and, and I don't know how long you left it on. How long did you leave it on? Just as long as he allowed. Which okay. was, yeah. All right. Basically, I gave him a lot. What I did was I, I, I he's t- So I've given him two baths in two weeks so far. The mm-hmm. first one wasn't with first lather. The second one was. And I, and I massage him. And he's very, he loves getting massages. So he was tolerant of the shower because I was massaging him. Mm-hmm. But I had, but I couldn't get him out of the, So it was like I was doing my best to, but I would say three, four minutes it was. Well, here, here's here's a thought, okay? A real mm-hmm. quick thought um, mm-hmm. on this. Um, either I can custom make you um, a, uh, a first leather with a fragrance, or what you could do is have that second shampoo right next to your first lather. Mm-hmm. Like, um, oh, and then apply it. And then just give them a quick second. Uh, so this way, you know, the, the first leather is taken off all the nasties, mm-hmm. and then gives that little fresh you give it that nice... You know, so it'll smell, end up smelling really good. You okay, know? cool. Good idea. I'll try that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I, I know I got to so. sample one of your other lines, so I'll, I'll figure out one. He's got the fine hair. I'll yeah, it's funny. We good. I have a customer. She has this little tiny poodle, you know, and um, and she has been using chai shampoo on this dog forever. And she goes, I can't even, it's like, that's how I, I it's like part of the dog now, you know, like, yeah. It's, it's like the scent and everything. The scent. That, that scent's really good with the chai. I love your chai. Yeah, shampoo. our chai is like, it has kind of like a, got a cult following, especially in the colder uh, uh, months of the year. Mm-hmm. Whereas like our seafoam shampoo is definitely comes on strong in the warmer weather, you yeah. know, or big on the West Coast, for example, you know, um, yeah. our customers down South, the same thing, you know, that's a, a real popular one. But actually chai, even down South, uh, they buy a lot of that. So, um, yeah. All right, folks. Alchemy Hair. I was happy to be here, and thank you so, so much for having me. I, I knew you had no clue what you were walking into, so I hope you enjoyed it. Never. I This was, you know, off way the cuff relaxing. for sure. Yeah, way more <laughs> relaxing, hopefully, than you thought it would be. Yeah, a lot more, and I really enjoyed talking to you, Brian. You know yeah, that. Awesome. I always do. So, All right, so we, uh, folks, you, we will fun. follow it up with another episode soon because you definitely want to hear about his auto racing. His, I cannot wait to hear about being a man in the beauty industry. I cannot wait. We didn't even touch on that. And then, uh, and then Frank Lapani, thank you for joining us. Please look at Alchemy Hair. My pleasure. Don't forget to go to hempathletics.com. We do have the gear up, sweatshirts, 
We have the t-shirts and we have the bumper stickers. Please buy the bumper stickers. Tag them anywhere you live. Let's spread this word. Let it get the... the there's reasons why Let's we have people it. like Sarah Payne and Frank Lapani. They're coming on here and Ed Rosenthal and Kevin Madden and Austin Trout because we are all uh, successful people in society that know that this cannabis plant can benefit us, but we also have to live right in other ways. We've all described it to you in many different ways now, folks. So follow along, empletics.com, iTunes, Podbean, Frank Lapani, you're the man, Alchemy Hair, and don't forget Dragon's Beard on the badge and... Badger and Blade. Badger and Blade. Uh, com, and that is for anybody interested in learning about the shave industry. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Frank. Have a great day. And get out and adventure. Everybody get off that damn couch. That's too much TMC if you're stuck on that couch. CBD and a little light THC will get you off of it. I promise. Bye, everybody.